0: This is exactly right. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. That's how all the, owl, oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG 13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics in Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13, wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free.
2: I'm going to say what's up instead. What's up? I'm Lisa. Hi, I'm Kara, and this is That's Messed Up, an SVU podcast. Every week we talk about an episode of SVU, the true crime it's based on, and then we have a guest from the episode. And today is just the same. Oh, my God, I just looked at my uh, clock and it's 1111. This is a good sign for everything. Wow. This intro is
1: going to change lives, everybody.
2: (laughs) I love it. Yay.
1: (laughs) And we had an eventful week because Real Housewives of New York came back. Oh, my gosh. Yes. We watched together and yeah, the girls are back. One third of the cast is sober right now. So we'll see where that journey takes us. Yeah, was I too high? I don't remember anything except Leah trying to be a Jew. That was, there was a lot of, when it was over, you said they're so cringy, And there is just like a lot of cringe in the whole episode. Like Leah becoming a Jew, number one, was like, wow. Like just a cringe home run right out of the park first inning. No, the moment you said cringe,
2: I imagine Sonia talking about the diversity of the koi fish in her pond to a black woman. She literally,
1: to a black woman, was like, you want to talk about diversity? Look at all the different kind of fish I have in my koi pond. Like, I was like, so sonia no it's gonna be bad the race stuff's gonna get worse and worse like i'm terrified for what's about to happen yeah because i was spinning in my body i also but I, I like the new girl ebony there's a new girl named ebony i like her but i did not like her saying i'm old and then i googled her age and she's 37 i'm like you're not old so <laughs> like like she was acting like she was too old to have a kid i was like Mm. I know,
2: but you can, f- you can know that you're new young and still feel old. Like I know 33 is not old, but I do feel like, Oh no, <laughs> I feel like that TikTok song. Like, uh, I def- Oh no, Oh no, <laughs> I do. I just don't realize it. I still feel like I'm like 25. I feel like I'm smarter and lessons, but
1: I always feel like I'm 30. I mean, I kind of like, Oh wait, I never remember how old I am. And I'm like, I'm about in my, I'm about third. I'm in my early thirties. <laughs> like I always think that, but. Alas, that ship has sailed. Oh,
2: and also this happens to you all the time. Food, whenever we order food,
1: it doesn't come for you. They just forget about you. We order food and we pick it up and every meal is in there except for my meal. That's what happens. Like the food is there. They made an attempt. But and it always happens when we're going to our friend Lauren's house. Like one time we ordered food, like five of us. And just mine was the only meal missing. And the, and like the delivery guy goes, oh yeah, they said they're out of that. No one called us like nothing. Like, and then last night it happened. And this guy had run my food out to my car for me. He was so nice. Cause I called him. I was like, I'm nine months pregnant. Can you just bring it out to my car? I'm right here. I'm like two steps out of the restaurant. And he was like, so sweet. And then they just forgot my food completely. So, and then I had to go pick it up. I was happy to do it. Yes, she was such a good friend. She picked it up for me because I was like, just the idea of waddling back to my car. It's just not happening right now. I can't do it. I didn't mind any
2: of it. It was a pleasure, except I did then have to chat with the people because they... they were trying to make it up to me, you know, like I care. And uh, (laughs) they were like, Oh my God. And then we had to talk. I, he started talking about when his mom was pregnant with him. She was in (laughs) law school. He has two sisters. I mean, I really got to know everyone. (laughs)
1: Welcome to my life. When you physically present as pregnant, people just come up to you and tell you nine anecdotes a day about like, Oh my God. So the woman at CVS was like, you're having a boy. Like
2: we care what you think. But I went to CVS this Weekend and I wore a cute dress from I got in Australia, Melbourne. What's up? And she goes, "Oh my god, that dress looks so comfortable." And I said, "Thank you." And then I'm like, "That's not a fucking compliment. That's the what are you saying to me?" So I, I'm already having enemies in the neighborhood.
1: Yeah, the CVS lady. She was like. She goes, well, I know amazing people have boys and you seem like a really amazing person. I'm like, from the two bottles of Advil I'm buying? Okay, bitch. Like, <laughs> but also, just before anybody sends me a message, the Advil's for my husband. I know pregnant women are not allowed to take Advil. <laughs> <laughs> Disclaimer. It's so crazy you have to do all that. What else is going on? Uh, My daughter continues to be obsessed with Lisa. There was a man coming to do work on my house and his name is Amador. And he was really nice. And in the morning when she woke up, she was like, where's Amador? And I was like, he went home. She goes, he went to Lisa's house. And I'm like, I don't know what you think Lisa's up to, but apparently lots of local men are stopping in and out. (laughs) I love the name Amador. It's like (laughs) such a good name.
2: I'm obsessed. I I keep saying Amador. Rosie's in bed saying Lisa and I'm in bed saying. <laughs> on door to nobody. Um, no, I, um, this is like backwards. Um, As a person that does love crime, it is weird. I avoided the movie Zodiac, like the plague. I refused to watch it for like 15 years. And um, I watched it on my flight from New York to LA and it was good. I liked
1: it. That's so funny that Delta just keeps Zodiac on. Like (laughs) it never gets rotated out. Like I watched Zodiac on Delta four years ago. I mean, I watched it when it originally came out too, but like I rewatched it. That is like, I don't really like rewatching movies that much. I don't really watch movies again. Really? Yeah, I just don't. I mean, like if something's on and I've seen it like with friends. Sure. But I'm not like, oh, I'm going to sit and rewatch a movie that I've already seen when there's so many movies I haven't seen. I think oh, that's my opposite, but I heard uh, my, my
2: niece read me once and she said people with anxiety, like to watch the same things over and over again. Yes. And I was like, all right, I guess. <laughs> um, but no, especially on planes. I watched the favorite, maybe on 12 separate flights. I watched Ingrid goes West over and over like to and from places. I would be watching Ingrid goes wow, West. young wow. adult, And then clueless is always on Delta. flight. Oh, also, I can't believe this. I did want to talk about this, but we're already Delta. Miley Cyrus flew Delta this week. I need to know, is this for the environment? Did she get paid? Is this a sponsorship? Did she just need a last minute flight? She's worth over a hundred million dollars. You know, she flies private all the time. Why is she on that Delta flight?
1: To go do SNL. Cause SNL is paying for it. Yeah. But like, she could just pay for her jet herself. Yeah. That's weird. I don't know. But she was taking selfies in the bathroom and she had like the divider.
2: Like she was like living it up. Like she was taking photos. Like we would be at the zoo. She was like, look,
1: like she couldn't it's not believe- la- And it's not like it's last minute, you know? No, it's not last minute. She was booked. Like she, we knew she was doing SNL forever. Oh God. Elon Musk. Anyway. Um, I will say, There are certain movies that if I flip by them on TV, I will keep watching them, such as Mean Girls, When Harry Met Sally. There's a few that I'm like, oh, I'll just watch this from wherever it is. But Devil Wears Prada, I'll always watch again. But um, yeah, like if I'm sitting down to watch a movie, I'm not going to flip a new one, an old one on. But Zodiac is a good one. What did you think of it? I liked it. I mean,
2: it is hard to watch now with a different brain where it's like, truly the women are just like wives at home that have maybe four lines and then there's it's just a bunch of white dudes it's like you couldn't throw in like one Asian detective it's just like it was hard to watch it, it it was it was kind of annoying yeah. even though I liked it and Jake Gyllenhaal is hot I, I already actually don't remember who the other people were because they all look the same to me
1: oh Robert Downey's an alcoholic okay I remember
0: that yeah like
1: I don't even remember It's just so wild that we've not caught him. I mean, even though the movie makes it seem like it is this one guy, like it's just weird. But if you go to our Instagram, uh, I'll put it in the mention it all highlight. We posted... Another account put up the, all the serial killers and what their signs are. And it's so many Virgos like Lisa and I are shook a little bit by how many Virgos. I think it's just because Virgos are very organized and that's why they can serial kill because they don't get caught for a while. Oh my God. Speaking of Dexter is <laughs> coming back, baby.
2: They winked, winked, winked. I can't wait. I saw the little trailer. He looks as hot as ever. I have my Dexter badge hanging sign. I mean, I can't wait to see it. He's an organized killer for sure. Well, speaking of an organized killer, let's Wait, get into I today's- know, But I do oh have, my to- I have one more complaint. I have one. I have to br- I have to bring this up. So I'm living across the street from a school, which I like. I like the sounds of recess or like soccer games. It reminds me like life is, you know, simple and great. The school across the street from me, Blair's Kids Bop. Nonstop. no for recess lunch and when they come to
1: school it's kids bop so loud i've been i wake up to kids bop songs i think kids bop is like child abuse i really i, I hate it so much Like play the real songs for the kids like you don't they don't need to play these watered down versions of the songs yeah well, or said play jazz but yeah so <laughs> let's segue now gracefully into our uh episode because this is a really this is oh my god this episode really like keeps me awake at night it's so crazy so let's get into it So today we will be doing
2: season 13, episode 15, called Hunting Ground. Do I keep calling it Higher Ground, like the Stevie Wonder slash RHCP song? Yes, I do. (laughs) And I keep looking for my notes and I kept typing in Higher Ground and I kept going insane. But it is Hunting Ground and we will definitely find out why. Um, So the episode opens up on Harry Connick Jr. and Mariska, um, aka Olivia Benson, (laughs) leaving, well I guess I used Harry's real name, whatever. So Harry and mariska are leaving a movie theater and it looks like a date and uh she's wearing a trench pea coat situation with flowy hair hoops you know this this is an upscale fun look maybe a date he tries pda and she's like please stop what are you doing um we can't like go public and he's like come on babe like i want to fuck um, <laughs> But they decide uh, to keep the pressure off and chill out. And he's like, let's go out to eat. And she says, no, take out at my place, which obviously means either
1: sex or I don't want to be seen out in public with you. I think it's a little bit of both because they just don't want to. They're like not that far from the squad or something like that. But I also feel like it's really weird to be like, let's just chill a little bit. Let's go fuck. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> such a weird. It's it's a uh, stubble messaging to me. Well, yeah, they're just
2: um, separating work and personal. No, no, no. Or like no. you can fucking maybe still be chill. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Can you? Um. I, th- I. Yeah. Let's. That's for a different relationship pod. <laughs> it's a different podcast. Yeah. So behind them, and they don't really do this often, which I really appreciate, um, but behind them, there's, like, a man walking a dog on a leash, and he looks like a nerd, you know, glasses. And I forgot who has this joke, but it is, like, I just can't see. When did the stereotype happen that I'm suddenly smart and love computers? (laughs) Like, I'm just blind, but I can't
1: remember whose whose joke joke? is that. That's funny. I
2: don't don't remember, but I'm, like, that's such a good point. Like, how did we...
1: Anyone with bad vision is a point Dexter. It's so goofy. (laughs) I kind of don't like it when they do stuff like this, like the, like, because it implies that New York is, like, this tiny village where, like, the cops are on a date and there's a serial killer, two blo- like, a block behind them checking the newspaper. I get that, but that's my fa I loved running into people in New
2: York. Nothing yeah. felt better than, like, <laughs> a subway or, like, you're walking and you're like, what
1: up? But you got to keep zooming. Oh, I do I love that. It. And I do think in a lot of ways New York is a small city. It's just weird when it's, like the captain of the sexual crimes unit is just strolling past a man who's committing heinous sexual crimes it's a little coincidental but i loved it
2: (laughs) i did love it and so he's picking up a free newspaper called downtown i don't know if you have these in your where you live but it's like the free paper you take Mm -hmm. on the train with you i was on the cover of the chicago red eye once no big deal huge deal okay uh We see him um, with a photo circled and he's calling someone from the back pages and he wants to pay cash because his wife is on him and he wants to meet at the Starbucks on 14th and 7th and just hearing those streets made me nostalgic for New York because I got off at the I'm trying to FM. think I'm like
1: is there a Starbucks at 14th and 7th I know I did too because <laughs> but I always
2: got off at 14th and 6th but that was the hell do you remember the hell um the hell bridge where it's like you got
1: off the L and then if you wanted to get on the one, two, three, there's the hell bridge oh I hate that <laughs> shit I don't I won't I won't even switch underground I'm like I'll take it to a different stop I'll go go to like west fourth because you don't have to do that
2: yeah so i would get off on the fm to go to my you know my comedy club but if you follow the hell bridge i'm like was there a starbucks or not (laughs) um but it did make me nostalgic but also like this pisses me off because it's like if it's a new customer you got to get a card i mean i worked at a hair salon we wouldn't even make a hair appointment without a credit card and you're sending a woman to meet a guy with cash from a payphone. I, you know, that you're not taking care of your employees. Yeah. Not
1: exactly a vetting process. There's
2: no Starbucks. Google street view. No Starbucks. (laughs) Just so you know. (laughs) Um, We see a young blonde and she's holding a baby. She's answering the call to meet this guy. And the mom's like, what the fuck? What are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. What if I had plans? And it's like, you're the mom of a teen mom. Do your job. Babysit this kid. (laughs) Uh, But the girl says she can't turn down catering work. The mom's like, who is doing catering this late it's nine o'clock and she says rich people
1: which is a I great mean, answer it's a great answer and like wouldn't you love to be rich for like it's 8 15 and you're like you know what call the catering people let's just have a catered party right now i would but <laughs>
2: i if i if we're that level of wealth i'd rather
1: call a michelin star restaurant and say get a private room ready for me yeah but what if you don't want to leave your house what if you're huge you get recognized it's like annoying. Yeah.
2: Okay. I, <laughs> either way is good. I just like, ugh, I just want to go to LaBerna den in, my, in a private room. Um, so cut two. she's out to dinner with this nerd and she's only eating a salad. So he's pissed and he he's and he, and this is also foreshadowing, but he says, you'll need meat on your bones for the winter. And she smiles, says something dumb, you know, she's flirting. Um, so they're having like a weird flirt situation. And then he asks the waiter to wrap this up for my dog please and he's not rude but i don't like the way he spoke to the waiter mm-hmm. but nothing was overtly rude
1: but i didn't like it i don't know if it was like lack of eye contact he is good this actor like he is he is communicating creepiness like very subtly i feel like yeah just the right. way he talked to that waiter and was like wrap this up for my dog please it's just weird like yeah. weird is the word because i was like yeah i don't think it's totally off-putting but i don't like it yeah um, so they're
2: walking to the car after dinner, and he opens the car, and there's a dog in the back seat with a cage type like screen, like a cat yeah, but it's a yeah. cage. And the dog is cute. They have some banter. She's not loving it. Her instincts are saying this is strange. Do not go. But he's like, listen, the dog's good. Just get in the car. And she smiles, and she's super cute and sweet, and she gets in the car. Now we cut back to Harry and Mariska's date, and she looks very pretty. Eyeliner, and he's wooing her. They make out, so that's exciting. And he does say to
1: her, "Like I don't know what you've been through, but I'm here, baby." So I mean, uh, you've cut me off in saying that I minimize the Carisi Rollins sexual tension I have to cut you off, but this was really sexy and hot. I thought. I thought they were being really hot together, and I think you need to give it a little bit more attention. <laughs> he does nothing for me. Look, he's actually not really for me either. But I do think they have chemistry. He doesn't really. I'm not like Harry Connick Jr. Oh my god, like sw- like the way. I think her husband's way hotter, um, Peter Herman. But like, I don't know. I did think it was really hot. Yeah, I'm more of a Cassidy person, even <laughs> though he's toxic.
2: Uh- <laughs> But, and tried to ruin her life and get her child taken away from her. But I, yeah, Harry does nothing. You're right to cut me off. I feel (laughs) nothing for these
1: people. We're just exhibiting our preferences, I think. Go on. Yeah, you like a guy who can play the piano well. No, it's not even that. I don't even love him. I just feel like you never see Benson make out with anybody. You never really see Benson having any hot times. And, like, she seems really into him. I never saw that kind of, like, sort of, like, maybe because she's older, but with, um, Bart Bass's dad what's his name Tucker Tucker what? yeah who's Bart Bass Chuck Bass's dad Bart Bass that's who he plays in Gossip Girl okay I don't watch guy I've never seen an episode of that's Gossip crazy
2: Girl. Ed Tucker to me is sex in the city
1: and he was in one episode of that, right? Two. Two. Cause
2: he fucks her when she's pregnant and just, and then he comes horny. back to town and she's like, I have a baby. He's like, Oh, is it mine? <laughs> and she's like, nah, man, let's fuck. But the baby keeps interrupting and she has to learn a lesson about loving her baby or something. <laughs> so, um, so they're having their date, they're making out. And then, uh, oh, they cut and the dog is sitting in the front seat, like proud as fuck. And then the blonde cutie is tied wrists in the backseat cage area. And uh, not good. And she
1: looks really, really scared.
2: Yeah. And she starts begging to be let out. You don't have to pay me. And it's like, we're past that, girl. Um, But I'll do whatever you want, please. I don't want to die. And he responds, that's up to you, isn't it? And they zoom in on his glasses and we get to the credits. So this is like a jam-packed intro, I feel, for like we have love and fear. Mm. We have all the emotions. Um, So Benson wakes up in Harry's arms to her phone ringing. Like the show never lets Benson have too much fun. Yeah. Like you could have a night of sex, but you're not getting breakfast. That's like (laughs) they never. Right. They never let her have too much fun. So she's she's got to go. It seems like it was good sex. She's wearing his shirt, um, but she's got to go because shit's going down. And she runs into Amaro. And I don't think we do enough Amaro episodes. We're going to do more. There are more
1: coming up. I think Amaro's hot as hell. He's so hot. Yeah.
2: And I think he's just such. I don't love his character. No,
1: that's the problem. I don't like the way he talks to his wife. No, but her. Has, I, I have opinions and we'll get to those. <laughs> but yeah, but I but physically, I mean, he's in like a new show called Mayans on FX where where he's like a motorcycle guy, I think. It's, okay. kind, it's kind of um it's a it's a spinoff of sons of anarchy
2: yeah we're so focused on like stabler's ass and carisi's sensitivity that we forget amaro's just stone cold hotness yes because you know he shoots people that are unarmed <laughs> uh, so we we don't uh, love him did he ever cheat i don't think he cheated though but okay whatever she so cheated he did no she did
1: oh she she cheated she cheated cheated.
2: also I've seen him in person he is exceptionally hotter in person
1: even I bet yeah I
2: bet he's a
1: babe you know who was so hot that I saw in person and like I was in it I I escorted him when he was on Conan so we were actually speaking to each other on an elevator Jake Gyllenhaal not that to me cute on screen in person like melt your face hot but that's, it makes sense. So, the, someone I saw that you're like,
2: of course, pretty. But I, when I saw Kristen Wiig in person, I'm like, oh, no really? one is more beautiful than you. Really? Dropped and gorgeous. And she was talking to the tall SARS guard. Oh. And I try, I mean, I was staring, but trying not to stare the whole time. But like, I, it, when you see famous people like that up close, you're like, oh, you're the hottest person alive. <laughs> okay. Like, it's, you're obviously, she's so talented too. But it was like, oh my God. Yeah. I asked, um, like, whenever I talk to famous people, I'm like, that are comedians. So, like, there's st- whatever. When I talk to friends who have become famous, I'm always like, what famous person is the hottest person you've ever seen? Like, give me the scoop. And the answers I've gotten consistently are Charlize Theron and Jessica Beale. Interesting.
1: Yeah also jennifer aniston was one of the most beautiful people up close but that's obvious from anywhere i don't know i kind of think she's a little bit plain looking but in person her eyes like sparkle no to me she is the number one girl like jackson <laughs> vanderpump
2: like he's the number one guy like to me Jennifer she's the aniston. number one girl of hollywood to, yes outside of britney spears in her prime but that's uh, like no jen aniston is everything to me, I just think she is the number one. She's not even a movie star. Like that's, but she is, but she is everything. I'll buy smart water. I don't yeah. care. I have a vino in my tub right now. Like, so do I. I'll do whatever she says. Um, I've bought her, her living proof hair care is too expensive though.
1: They might sponsor us. Cut this. All <laughs> okay. right. Go to, go back to the episode. Okay.
2: Uh, whatever. So we meet tomorrow. And he's like, wow, you look happy. And so he knows she got laid. (laughs) And, uh, but then unfortunately a teen mom is missing, so they can't like get the low down on the fucking, um, the daughter has been missing for two days and the mom plays a voicemail from the missing teen. Um, and you know, it's just sad, but it's the voicemail is mom. I'm sorry. I'm a bad girl. I go out with suddenly there's screams, but I have sex with men for money. I want you to know that's who I really am. I'm just a dirty whore. So obviously she's being forced to say this and this guy is a fuck and sadist. So then the mom tells the detectives like Katie had a late night catering gig and the detectives immediately know what's up. Mm-hmm. Uh but Amaro questions the mom why she waited from Saturday to Monday to report her missing and she said she called Sunday but the cops said she was probably out partying and doesn't care. And that's what I love about SVU is they do, they're a too. <laughs>
1: like yeah, in a lot of ways. They do
2: show cops like not doing a good job and um like SVU comes and swoops in. So I, I like that about this show. So, Rollins listens to the message and she immediately is like, This is a psychopath. And I don't know who would disagree with her. Like, yeah, it's a psychopath, Rollins. Mm-hmm. Cool. And the last ping on her cell phone was a bridge to Pansy Bridge, to Pazzi.
1: Tap Z. Where is that? The Tap and Z, I think, is up to get to like um, upstate New York, like Hudson River Valley. Okay. I think. Yeah. yeah. So.
2: That was the last ping off the bridge. And then they're like, the phone was probably thrown off into the river. Uh, The last call she got was the caterer, LOL. G.N.S. Services, L.L.C. Important fact. (laughs) Remember that forever. So there's a sweet moment. I really love this. Craig I still like sometimes I forget and then I see him on screen and then I remember that we met him. (laughs) <laughs> um through the computer but it is like he but he's really sweet with rollins and they have a moment like how'd you make it past super bowl oh yeah and her she, gambling stuff yep, Yeah, yeah yep. so i like that he checked in on her and she said she went to three meetings standing room only and this was actually a nice insightful moment for myself like i don't think about gambling addiction often and the things that might be triggers mm-hmm. so i just like another yeah, Point for us, view. Super Bowl weekend means like dips, you know, yes. and for other
1: people, it's like a hard thing to get through. Oh,
2: yeah. our last suit. Nah, during. Yeah, the my. Super Bowl party before pandemic, Karen and I had a great time.
1: <laughs> I let my daughter try McDonald's french fries for the first time. <laughs>
2: Um, so Finn is at the brothel escort service type place. And the woman that enters, she has a sleek ponytail, gold jewelry, and she immediately is like, This is a legit business, nothing funny. Which <laughs> it, stop saying that. Yeah. <laughs> if you're a shady business, do not say you're a legitimate business because it's the number like if you were a legitimate business, you would never have to say that. So it's <laughs> always like mistake number one. But the woman says, Listen, we're a matchmaking service. If she did anything more, that's on her. Rollins is like, we don't care. Uh, we're, there's a girl. She's missing, and she's 16. So go fuck yourself. And immediately, she doesn't want to get in trouble for working with a 16 year old girl. So she sits down and is going to cooperate fully, give them all the scoop. She says, you know, first time caller. They went out to dinner, met at Starbucks, like what, we said. But he insisted on paying cash. That's when you hang up.
1: Yeah. The name was Brewster, just one name. So they didn't even yeah, get like they didn't even get a last name. Like it's. not that he couldn't have just said brewster smith and which is you know bullshit but still it's like you're not you don't even give a fuck what happens to these girls no
2: and to not get a credit card is shocking
1: yeah because if you you want to say well hold it you can pay cash we're gonna hold your credit card in case you fucking don't pay or with someone like
2: this who does want to commit crimes again we don't want to give advice to criminals but buy one of those visa gift cards that are 250 dollars, and then you can use those, and you're not associated School
1: of sexual predators. <laughs>
2: but it's very upsetting. So the woman in charge says that Haley came to her company because her previous employer um, or pimp I don't really know but uh, a girl went missing on Christmas and was never found, and that mm. freaks her out. So she came here, and Phil and Ross Finn and Rollins go to that previous employer and he's a scuzzy looking guy you
1: know he needs a haircut he's got glasses too but you don't think he's smart no you don't you certainly don't even though aren't there signs on the wall that are like sat prep like it's weirdly like they're trying to like act like they're selling sat prep but it's really sex work it's just
2: yeah because if you're wearing like a baggy polo with designs on it It's not SAT, baby. You did not do. I'm not coming
1: to you to get my scores up.
2: (laughs) Um, and he said that she was terrible, and then he goes, "Ugh, don't hire someone with a baby," which you know I laughed,
1: but (laughs) but hire Kara with a baby. Yeah, hire me. I mean, I'm I got it. I mean.
2: And he goes, technically, she's an SAT tutor. And they're like, we're not fucking with you. And we're going to sick everyone we want on you. Like, fucking help us figure this out. So uh, basically, the girl that went missing around the holidays, her name was Roxy. Again, back pages. And nope, no credit card, cash only Brewster. So we have a connection and this is a serial. So we're back at the precinct and everyone's giving their opinions. We're having a little hangout session. We got the whole gang. We got Rollins. Who's like, she he's a psychopath. We got Munch going, listen, we can't be mad at back pages because without those ads, there wouldn't be a village voice. And they're the only ones doing real investigative journaling. And it's like, okay, Munch. Uh, I mean, RIP that he was right. The village voice (laughs) shut down. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then Benson is like they're facilitating human trafficking. They're the worst. And Amaro, I don't remember what he says. Okay, there's just a lot of stuff. So they're all chatting. Cragen, like the dad he is, is like, chill out, everyone. Relax. You go here. You go there. Do everything. So Rollins and Phil keep calling Finn Phil. I know. Rollins and Finn go to other agencies that advertise on the back pages to get information. And Benson and Amaro hit up the restaurants around Starbucks to see where they went on a date. And we meet a classic SVU character, a bartender that remembers everything. They were at table three. She was sexy as hell. I didn't pay attention to him. Glasses, brown hair, 10% tip. And he knew it was a first date because dessert and lattes. And they left like at close and and the doggy bag so that obviously alludes to the dog we know there was do and we well, know guess we a dog know, yet yeah well, yeah we've seen we've seen the dog yeah but they seem like they know like the doggy bag gives them information we're looking for a guy with a dog i
1: guess also i guess sexual predators psychopaths don't tip well no that makes sense cuz you don't care about other yeah you don't care about other people yeah like- 10% not okay
2: well no when i worked um at places at or even like at comedy clubs with the staff there i'd always ask the pregnant employees like you getting more tips and they said no really which is crazy to me if i saw if a pregnant woman is serving me that i'm tipping more
1: yeah i should have gotten away it's harder work i should have gotten a serving job during this pandemic
2: (laughs) yeah that's a great idea So we cut to fucking scariness, like probably our worst nightmare is people on this planet. Literally, this is so scary. I know
1: we say this all the time. I know we say the haunting thing all the time and you guys are coming for us on, and being funny about it online. And, and we do say it. This is one of my top five episodes that like, oh, my God, scares the absolute fuck out of me when I think about it. I remember watching this and going, this is even too much for SVU, like chasing someone through a fucking wooded area, hunting them. Yeah,
2: I'm like, I, I just was like, I real... can't. Right. Yeah.
1: Well, get ready.
2: Um, so we cut to like, so the dog is barking and running. The man is holding a gun, running through the woods. And then our blonde girl is running with wounds and she looks tired. I mean, she looks worn out and it's just really scary. And the dog is a fucking narc and leads the man to the girls. Um, and then there's like a red laser next to Haley. That's like the same kind of laser you would use to distract a cat and it narrowly misses her arm. And then she keeps on running. And then we leave and we're like, what the fuck? Like, this is too much. So we get scoop from one of the other agencies that um, a sex worker thought that he was a creep and didn't get into the car and that she ran away. So they find out that there was a woman who went on a date with him, you know, for money and everything. And then she got v- bad vibes and was creeped out and she didn't get in the car. So they have to find this woman to get information from her. Um, but then Benson and Munch are like, let's go to the Village Voice and see if he can give us information on who puts out ads. So everyone's just working. OK, it's SVU. They're at fucking work. Um, and the guy that works at the Village Voice, I was like, I know him from somewhere. He kind of looks like the guy who wrote Game of Thrones, but it's not him. <laughs> <laughs> it's the guy from Big Daddy I've seen Big Daddy he's, but I don't think yes I know. you do he's the foster care guy he's like the child services guy who's like excuse me you lied i know you don't remember <laughs> i don't sorry. he's also from rounders which was one of my favorite movies ever i had a big edward norton phase for a big part of my youth uh, Whoa. but he was at one of the poker tables so he's one of the friends so i was really happy to see him he has 66 credits on imdb he is uh he's busy um he obviously is not sharing sources obviously This was a waste of gas, honestly. (laughs) Like, there's no way a guy in journalism is sharing sources or ad thing or anything. And he thinks this is just payback against the paper for being anti-cop. And Mariska is like, nah, bro, like, you're on the wrong side here. And there's a girl missing. And this isn't payback. We don't care what you say about us. So Rollins and Amaro knock on a woman's door who is the escort that like was scared of Brewster and left. Uh, but immediately there's like a husband behind and you could tell he's controlling. He has the vibe of Justin Timberlake in the movie, black snake. Moan, Completely. Completely, is that what you like white of? tank top. Yes, yeah. I didn't think it, but when you
1: said it, I'm like, I know exactly
2: where this is going.
1: Yeah, and a marine
2: tattoo. You could tell he's kind of controlling, like the way he like comes at her. I don't really love that energy. That's not for
1: me. But, but they, they sort t- of do that to show that Amaro like knows how to talk to military guys. You yeah, know?
2: and then the girl did a great job acting, where it's like she can't talk in front of him. They need to get her fucking story, mm-hmm. and so they come up with a cover story that there's a groper in the neighborhood, and they need them to. ID some people and Amaro leans in like you're the Marines my wife's there I'm this we need your eye if anyone's gonna know something shady it's a Marine (laughs) and it just proves how dumb Marines are I mean I don't know (laughs) like like, he fell for it um so they go to the precinct to like look at some photos and get some information um and then we cut to fucking Harry Connick Jr. and Benson at a donut shop and she has a funny joke she goes you know how to lure a cop
1: (laughs) love that meanwhile um, i've like never seen benson eat a donut on the show no one actually yeah. Maybe Finn. they have them i feel like in the background but like i i've never seen benson just like chowing down on a fucking oh, glaze you know what other episode remember where they're all like having to testify
2: and the episode is like a yeah. bottle episode type yeah of yeah thing? where they're in that back room I feel like there, there might a be a donut storyline there <laughs> with the with the bailiff
1: right in and let us know
2: what we're missing. <laughs> yeah. The bailiff is like, I take one of these to my wife. <laughs> um,
1: I actually love donuts. No, I love donuts, too. I'm just saying it's funny, like cop stereotype. And yet we never see these cops really eating donuts. Yeah, I really like donuts. I th- I don't think they get enough credit. I mean, in, you just moved to Los Angeles. There's a donut shop. I mean, there's a donut shop every two feet here. I know, but I just feel <laughs> everyone's
2: like, cupcake, cupcake, cupcake. And it's like, donuts are better. I love donuts. I, I'm glad. Okay. So the Village Voice puts out an article about how the girls are working alone and not with pimps. And basically, it's saying if there aren't pimps, then the voice can't be an accessory. I don't really understand this at all, but okay. But Benson really believes they're facilitating underage sex trafficking. The paper hasn't broken laws, but she's like, we know what's going on. We all know. I I just can't. Um, But Harry Connick Jr. is saying, I can't get involved with any of your cases. Because I want our relationship to work and that's not going to be okay. And they kiss at the donut shop. I did write, oh my God, they kiss in the donut shop in all caps. So it's (laughs) not like I fully don't care, but. Okay. All right. I'll accept that. Benson gets a text. Obviously, it's not fun. It's the missing girl's mother. So Benson has to go straight to work. So they're back at the precinct with the girl who got away. And she's just like, I just didn't like the vibe. The dog was in the back. I saw shovels. And I was like, no. And he wanted to take her to a beach 30 minutes away and just drive. And she said she was sick and ran away. And this is what we always talk about. Like, follow your fucking instincts. Yeah, like, don't trust and, that gut. But she says... um. She remembers gray Jeep. There was a bumper sticker. It either said MB or MV. So she's been very helpful to the investigation, I would say. The mom gets another voicemail. And basically, it's really scary. She sounds very weak. And she's saying, I'm cold. I don't want to play anymore. But if I stop, he'll kill me. Help me, please. So we listen to the voicemail and then we have Amaro with the clues that they got from the woman who escaped. They figure out that the dog is a blue healer and it's a hunting dog and they figure out that MB is a beach that's 30 minutes away. And so they're trying to just connect all of these things and they're doing a really good job. So Benson and Amaro go down to this beach and area, Manhattan beach. Why do I keep saying that? So they go down to Manhattan <laughs> beach um, because they say a lot of, like a lot of cops live there and work there or something. And they're talking to a cop who recognizes none of the girls, but he remembers the dog and the dog had no leash. And he remembers the shovel in the car, but he felt bad for that guy. Cause he was like, Oh yeah, I just had to bury another dog. So oh, sketchy. So he let him go. And this is like a perfect thing where like, I love when guys are like, "Oh yeah, he's so cool," and then women are like, "He's a fucking creep." Yeah, um, and that's like something like this where, the, like, people are like, uh, "He's creepy," and this guy just had no, no. God, men vibe. just don't
1: tend to have the same feelers for it. They just like don't. They're like, "Yeah, it was just a guy with a shovel burying another dog," and girls are like, "No, that man is creepy." times a thousand yeah i
2: watched some really bad crime doc on netflix and this hotel owner who housed this guy was like yeah he seemed so chill and then they showed his photo and i'm like this is the creepiest man i've ever seen the (laughs) picture to me how creepy yeah still photo um so they head to the beach with all these german shepherd working dogs and they find so many bodies like Mm. it is so Oh God. Like Benson says they need backup and it's kind of like the moment in the craft where the, all the whales come up on shore. They zoom in on Benson's face looking horrified and then they pan out
1: and it's just like, Holy shit. There's like, it's 10 just bodies. creepy because it's all the German shepherds sitting still where they find the Because bo- That's what the dogs do. Like what? I think people think that dogs like drug dogs or whatever will come up to you and be like, ruff, 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 you have pot or whatever. No, they come up to you and they sit in front of you quietly. So that's, like, what happens. These dogs are like, we found what we were looking for, and they just sit in front of these, like, graves. So it's creepy. It's very, like, eerie. And then it's like,
2: when do you find the time to bury these bodies when no one is out? Like, there's no teens fucking on the beach? Like... (laughs) I it I just don't understand how he's gotten away with it. And I really don't like this moment. Melinda is on the scene giving all the scoop. And she says this used to be a horse burial ground. Uh, but, they, but they found uh, seven bodies as of now. The freshest body they found has been 30 days. And the dogs wouldn't have missed Haley. So Haley's not there because mm-hmm. it's such a fresh body. Harry Connick Jr. shows up. So I guess he's getting involved because I don't I don't
1: know. He will. now it's very high profile. Okay, I mean, now he has to get involved. I mean, it's like seven fucking bodies on the beach. That's a lot. Okay.
2: Mariska has a belt over her coat. Do people do this? It seemed like of the time. I just can't imagine wanting. To I belt remember a coat. though, when the
1: trench coats kind of came back and everyone was belting them. I had a belted coat actually when I lived in Italy. Yeah,
2: it's cold. Who cares? I just I don't know. I'm
1: not into winter wear, but she had a
2: belted coat. So Amaro is in the bunk bedroom face face timing his wife, Laura Benati, and they have a very uncomfortable conversation about candy corn. I don't know what connected these two. <laughs> they have absolutely no chemistry, no love. No, this is a dead marriage. I don't know. Yeah. Like. It is. And then he yells at her and she's like, I'm sorry to call you. I'm at war. Like. Yeah. <laughs> so, and
1: he's like, I'm worried sick. And she's like, you're worried sick. And I'm like,
2: just end this.
1: I like fucking. Hate she used them. to live in my neighborhood in New York and I've seen her in person. She's very beautiful it, and very talented. She is. She's a Broadway baby, yeah. but
2: I hate but sh- their they marriage. They should be married. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. No, you're right. Um, okay, so all the women that are found have no IDs, and they were all asphyxiated, and they all had ketamine in their tox screen, and they find one cadaver that had veneers. And we, I didn't mention this, but earlier, the scuzzy guy in the polo shirt that was the SAT tutor slash pimp, he was saying that he bought Roxy veneers, and then she disappeared, and he was pissed because he invested right. 10 grand into her veneers. Um, But the veneers were dirty as hell. And so like that's not what you do with veneers. And there were acorns found in her GI tract. So they realize she's been foraging for survival and her underarms and legs are unshaved. That's not really a sex worker vibe. (laughs) So they, they they're figuring out what's going on. And she had ticks. And Melinda says tick DNA is cataloged for Lyme disease. So they're about. About to find out exactly where the, these ticks are and find a location. So that's really exciting. So the tick DNA um, takes us to Ulster County in the Catskills. And there's a super cool doctor there um, who loves ticks, And she kind of has the same haircut as me. I do have a fresh haircut and me and her <laughs> had the same vibe. Um, and she remembers someone on K coming in to the hospital pretty roughed up. They treated her, but she couldn't remember anything. And I guess that's what special K does. It fucks with your memory and it's a trank. Um, and she kept saying Brewster, Brewster, Brewster. So obviously they need to find this Mm -hmm. girl and uh, the doctor says listen I took her to the psych ward she might still be there she is she's a super super sad teen she's in the psych unit at the library there's a chess uh, set on the table and she just keeps saying nobody believed me nobody believed me and she was actually in another SVU episode that is a favorite amongst the listeners PC with Kathy Griffin yeah she played the character Mina but I don't remember who she was but she is an SVU uh, comeback um, she has a giant scar on her neck that looks so fucked up. The makeup department like really went in there. She said she did it to herself. It's the only way to end the game. And there's a lot of scary background noise and music. And so I assume in the real world, um, this is when the commercial would hit. <laughs> So she's in the psych uh, unit talking to the detectives and she explains that Brewster gave her the rope and said, if you want to end the game, you can use this. And she tried to and the fucking branch broke, which is uh, it's all devastating, honestly. Um, And then the game that we learn is he hunts these girls with the dog in the woods. He shoots them with a dart gun with ketamine so they can't move their arms and legs but they're awake for everything which is so fucked up. He brings them back to his shack and then rapes them and then the game keeps starting over and over again and so Benson asks he hunted you and ugh. and so then they they also need to know how she escaped. So there was an electric fence and so it was raining one day and she decided oh I'm just gonna touch the fence and die with electric currents but the the power was out. And so she didn't get electrocuted to death, which I think is great. And she got to climb over the fence and run away and ran into the hospital where no one fucking believed her. Oh, my
1: God. Ugh.
2: Um, She also uh, gives us other information about how like she would sometimes hide under the shack. There was like a crawl space, but he would always know that she was in there and would clean his gun and talk to the dog and say everything he was going to do to her. Um, So that was fucked up. And then but Benson is like, "Don't worry, girl. We're gonna get you home." And she goes, "I don't want to go home. I'm safe here. He can't get me. And if anyone cared about me, they would have found me already." So soul crushing. Yikes! There's another hangout in the precinct. They're trying to figure out what they're going to do. There's a wildlife preserve that's close to the beach and the Tapansy Bridge and the <laughs> Tapansy. <Tappan-Z. laughs> I'm gonna name my future pet Tappan Z. Um, <laughs>
1: so Hudson, you of course they're behind fucking everything. They own, why would a new, you New York University just own a preserve in the Catskills? It's like too
2: fucking much. So they own the preserve, and they're like, should we get the state police or FBI involved? And Craigan's like, ugh, the state police get the FBI out of here. So I like that a little bit. So Amaro calls Hudson U and there's one Hudson U employee named Graham Winger and he's the gamekeeper there. He's 39 and Brewster is an alias. So Phil... I'm loving you calling Finn Phil all day. It's really making me laugh. Sorry. So Finn and Rollins are, and I love their dynamic, uh, but they are at uh, Graham Winger's apartment in Manhattan Beach and they're looking through shit and they find darts. uh, They find drug books, lots of evidence. And he logged his kills, all the stats, how long they survived, like a murder journal. And then it's so, so they're getting ready to like, attack the woods and like find everyone. And the the main cop is giving all the cop finders directions. And he goes, if you get lost, use your GPS. <laughs> if you need that note, I don't think you, you should shouldn't be a-, be a cop. No. <laughs> I mean, I would know that. Um, so they're hitting the woods. The dog senses something. The birds fly. I mean, everything's going down. And they find the shack. They find the car with the shovel, the MB sticker, everything. And Mariska has a mid head ponytail, and she's pulling
1: it off. I like when she has that little ponytail. I like that look on her.
2: And they finally... Find Haley. She is like freezing on a cot. She's in jeans, dirty. Mm -hmm. She looks like blue.
1: Like she has like her skin is like light blue. Like it looks, it's bad. It's bad. Yeah. Uh, They found her
2: right on time. Um, Amaro leaves to check the perimeter and Benson's chatting with her and says, I I know your drugs. Squeeze my hand if you understand. She squeezes her hand. And then Brewster enters the shack. No glasses on. Is he wearing contacts when he hunts? I don't don't get it. That seems
1: like that's when you would need your eyesight the
2: most. Yeah. um, And he's armed and dangerous. He is super rude, points gun at Benson. And he's like, I'm going to make you play the game. I'm going to hunt your dumbass." And so uh, the dog barks because he senses Amaro, but Brewster doesn't see Amaro. So that's great news. And surprise, surprise, he's an incel. Mm hmm. I You know, whenever we try to, like, figure out serial killers in their minds and what's up, they're incels, okay? They feel entitled to women and their bodies, and when they don't get it, they feel they're, like, victims of something, and they have to go murder women who just don't want to fuck them because they're fucking creeps. (laughs) so he goes on about breeding and eating and hunting and how nature he loves it because they don't lie and animals are straightforward not like whores they're always lying about what they want i held the door open i bought dinner they look past me until i pay them and it's like if you're holding the door open to get something in return you are not nice
1: Mm -hmm. i don't think any of our listeners need to hear that benson's kind of trying to like um it's okay like i think you're a good guy right yeah benson does her you're in charge you're in charge (laughs) um and she goes i'm not
2: lying i don't lie and then he goes you're reaching for your ankle gun and it's like yeah Mm, you 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 kind of are he's a hunter (laughs) why are you fucking with him like this so we're, we're she has to give the ankle gun and you could tell benson is not giving up but we rarely see her be like oh fuck Mm -hmm. like she's usually in control even the other like not obviously the william lewis oh god i can't even think about it um yeah stops asking us to do that episode we're too scared we don't want to watch it (laughs) maybe year three okay (laughs) um yeah we all want to fuck pablo schreiber we don't want to (laughs) rewatch the episode but i'm thinking of another hostage moment like she's usually in control but we could tell she's kind of scared and then Amaro under the floorboards while laying down shoots him twice
1: and murders that motherfucker. It's a cool shot because you're like, where did the bullet come from? And then it's like Amaro was under the fucking shack. Like it was it's a cool shot. Ugh, yeah. He saves
2: the day. I'm so happy. Um, and then Finn is like, wow, nurses, birds, but hunts women. OK, yeah, thanks. Okay. <laughs> um, Haley's in the ICU. She's going to make it craig and sends amaro home even though it is a good shot they have to review it and they have to figure it out and benson says i wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him it is his first kill so he's having like a moment and then he realizes he should call his wife who has to kill people all the time maybe Mm -hmm. or something like that and they actually have like a nice conversation in you know the bunk bedroom that they have and she's pumped that you know He got him. And my last note is, why did they get married? So (laughs) that is a hunting ground, ladies and gentlemen. And sadly, it's Kara's turn. Yeah.
1: Get ready because it's not getting any better from here. Okay, let's get into the real crime that spawned that horrible episode that truly haunts my dreams. So first I want to do a really quick... Check in about the whole back pages, because the way that this episode ends is that Harry Connick Jr.'s character is like, I'm going to take on the back pages. I'm going to shut. And what eventually happened is back page did get shut down. And that was not good for sex workers, actually. No, I follow a lot of porn stars and I remember Twitter was
2: like pissed.
1: Yeah. So we actually had a very interesting conversation with someone that I had met previously at a comedy show, actually, but is a she is a feminist studies scholar who writes about labor, sexuality and social struggle. She teaches women, gender and sexuality studies at Washington University in St. Louis, an excellent school. And she has a book called Porn Workout. Her name is Dr. Heather Berg. She gave us a you should follow her on Twitter. We talked about FOSTA-SESTA with her, which are um, two separate pieces of legislation that passed in Congress, I believe, in 2017, 2018. So a few years after this episode that took down sites like Backpage and um, ended up really hindering a lot of the safety of a lot of sex workers. So basically... These back pages, I know that people think that this contributes to trafficking, but if you look at the statistics, it really doesn't. The way that they work is that sex workers can on their own post free or cheaply. Ads for their services. And there's no middleman. There's nobody taking a cut. There's nobody threatening them or anything like that. And um, their email is protected. There, they can screen for safety. They can run the client's name through sex worker blacklists. Like, and you can do all of this online. Like the internet has made sex work a lot safer in a lot of ways. But then our government keeps taking away a lot of these protections from them in the name of stopping sex trafficking and human trafficking, which is a very complex issue. And unfortunately our government is never looking at what sex workers are actually going through and is never talking to them and figuring out, um, what they need to actually be safe.
2: And what Heather said that I didn't know is most human trafficking is other parts of labor. It's mostly like agriculture and like housework. I don't know how to say it. It's like
1: Yeah, it's agriculture, food service, a lot of that is a lot of like the forced labor that you think of. And And then she
2: said a lot of sex trafficking and human in that capacity is done often by people that you know. It's uncles, fathers. And so they're like conflating this issue Mm -hmm. instead of actually helping sex workers.
1: Yeah. And I I mean, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts about this because I'm really trying to get educated on the whole human trafficking and sex trafficking thing. And like the numbers of underage people being sex trafficked are like minuscule. Like it's really like sex trafficking does happen, but it's really not. It's not like kids getting snatched off the street and forced into sex labor. That And I'm not saying that never happens, but it is not the epidemic that it's being made out to be. So essentially... Taking out backpage and doing what SVU is advocating at the end of this episode is forcing sex workers to work with a pimp. Like you can't work independently, and this is pushing people towards stuff like debt bondage and things that were we've we've talked about before um, on this podcast. So. There's so much more to talk about with this. I really would love to just like do a full interview with Heather that we put out on the podcast and maybe we will do that in the future, but, um, we'll give you some resources in the sister peg segment to, um, learn more about this. But I don't, in this episode, we don't think that SVU is on the right side of history. Like when Olivia's like back page is helping trafficking, it kind of isn't in a lot of ways. So it actually helps sex workers
2: stay safer. Yeah.
1: Right. And not so, have
2: to work with other people.
1: Right. And also if it's out there, it's monitored. If you're if it's out there, you can see this one agency is using sex workers that are under eighteen or they are um abusing their their workers. You know, like when everything goes underground, it's just so much harder for anyone to get fair treatment.
2: And it's just like it's frustrating because it's all false like you're saying you care about these people and then when you have someone like matt gates or P- or jeffrey epstein or people that are actually doing these crimes suddenly you're all fucking silent about it mm-hmm. so that's another level that pisses me off it's like you're pretending you care about these people and then when issues happen nothing crickets
1: right so well, this is a much lo- longer conversation but um we do have to get into today's crime so um Yeah, we will share some more info with you during Sister Peg. Now, this episode, Hunting Ground, some resources are saying that it's based on the Long Island Killer. That is like finding all those bodies on the beach is reminiscent of the Long Island Killer who still has not been captured and is a very fascinating case but i believe there are other SVUs that focus on that and we'll we'll hit that later. This case is definitely based on Robert Hansen, who aka the Butcher Baker of Anchorage, Alaska between 1971 and 1983, he abducted, raped and murdered at least 17 women in and around Anchorage, but it's definitely more. Like it's thought to be in the 20s or maybe low 30s his number of victims. Um Alaska is very scary to me. I don't know. Like I'm sure we have Alaskan listeners who are amazing and cool, and it seems very beautiful. But for some reason, it's like the long darkness periods and just the wilderness of it all makes me scared. But I would love to go there. Um, and um, on have, an organized cruise. on an organized trip. <laughs> so this guy's background is exactly like the episode right out of the incels handbook he has a stutter and acne girls ignored him when he was growing up and he grew up hating women and having like revenge fantasies about them um he takes up hunting and archery for fun so you know hunting and archery I guess sounds kind of wholesome unless you're a serial killer to be and then it's a lot more of a red flag in hunting's uh not wholesome No, I hate hunting, but there's people that you listen to. that are like, it's part of the circle of life. And it's like, it's, it's sport. I mean, I have a friend whose husband hunts all the time and I have to like hide him on Facebook because it's always just him with like an innocent deer head. And I like, can't stand it. But like, you know, it is an American pastime. Not wholesome. It's not wholesome. Sorry. I stand corrected. (laughs) Um, I'm just saying you can't say all hunters are going to be serial killers. No, but they're not wholesome. (laughs) Killing a
2: rabbit's not wholesome. Yeah. It's just the wrong word. If you eat it. Uh Uh-oh. It's still not wholesome. (laughs) Eating meat isn't wholesome. Okay. That word means like all good, like a daisy. Oh, daisies, <laughs> how wholesome. Pla- you know, I don't know. Maybe I don't know the word, but it seems like baking a pie or playing Scrabble with your kids. That seems wholesome. It says conducive
1: to or suggestive of good health and physical well-being. So, yeah, you're oh. killing an animal, I guess. It's not, I guess, <laughs> yeah. But you are providing food for, I don't know. Anyway, sorry I said that word. Let's cut <laughs> all of this. Um, so, um, In 1957, he married a younger woman. I mean, he was like 18 in 57. So I don't know how much younger she could have been or no, he was. And then in 1960, he burnt down the school bus garage as revenge for being bullied in high school. And it's like, guess what? Your high school bullies don't give a fuck that you burned down the school bus garage. (laughs) Like no one cares. I mean, I'm sure, you know, who cares is like the poor kids that have to get to school and like don't have a bus anymore. I don't really think that the old people are like, well, we should have been nicer to Robert. Anyway. He served 20 months of a three-year sentence for that. And while in prison, he was diagnosed bipolar and his wife filed for divorce. So now cuts in 1967. He's 28 years old. He's moved to Anchorage, Alaska. He's got a second wife and he's got two children with her. Okay. He's liked... He's well-liked in well, the this community. this is what's
2: crazy. His whole issue is like, I can't get chicks. Now you He's have two He's on a second wife. I know. What is the
1: problem? It's too late, though. By then, it's like you hate women. And also, we'll get into it later, but this is like about, and we know men like this. This is about the, there are some good women, and there are but there are a lot of bad women. Like, there are good and bad women. Like, there are women whose lives don't mean anything, and there are women that are like pure and wholesome. Who, who are, are, are the
2: people we know?
1: We know people who have Madonna and whore complexes for sure. We can talk about it off mic. Name names. Name names. <laughs> this is a cancellation podcast now. All right. So um, he was well-liked. He had, hunt- he had records for hunting. Like he-, he had a successful business as a baker. Okay. In 1971, around when he was 32 years old, he was arrested two times. Once was for the abduction and rape of a housewife. And then the second time was for the rape of a sex worker. So this man not only has arson in his past, cruelty to animals, and now. two crimes against women by 1971. He pleaded no contest to assault with a deadly weapon in the housewife case. And then the rape charge involving the sex worker was dropped as part of a plea bargain, which is insane. He got five years in prison and after serving six months... He was placed on a work release program and released to a halfway house. Like, what the fuck?
2: Well, this is just the answer when people when guys or anyone is like, why doesn't she go to the cops? Go to the cops. Why don't you go to the cops? And it's like, go fuck yourself. Yeah.
1: So um, in 1976, he pleaded guilty to larceny when he was caught um, stealing a chainsaw from a store and he was sentenced to five years in prison and required to receive psychiatric treatment for his bipolar disorder. But the Alaskan Supreme Court reduced his sentence and he was released with time served. And three out of his four murders happened in those five years that he should have been in jail. So three of the four murders he was convicted for. Excuse me. He has many more. I I am enraged. I know. This is like the most enraging case. And it's like, you know what? This guy is just like Brewster. He's just like uh, Graham Winger in the episode. He's got glasses. Everyone's like, oh, he's unassuming. He's a baker. He's got kids. Like all of these like things that we just like assume make him a good guy. You know who else has kids? Everybody. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Having kids does not make you a good or bad or better or worse person. You are still the
1: same. Right. It's believed that he started killing in 1972. So he would have been around 33 when he started killing. He would pick up sex workers in his car and um, or like lure them in with money and then force them uh, at gunpoint to his cabin where he would then rape them and then he would fly them to a secluded area and hunt them. He had a two person plane. He had a little like two person prop plane, which I bet is like common in Alaska. So, yeah, he would like get them in this plane. And like, you're at private airports. You're not like going through security with like a woman, you know, you're not going through TSA. You're just like hopping in your own private plane and like puddle jumping over to an area where there's nothing like a forest preserve. Essentially. It's so sad. It's like Aaliyah had to die, but not this guy. Why didn't he crash anywhere? <laughs> <I know. laughs> that is a crazy way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. And then he would hunt them as if they were wild game before shooting or stabbing them. So he is known to have raped and assaulted over 30 Alaskan women and to have murdered at least 17 between the ages of 16 and 41. So a little bit of a timeline in 1980, the first bodies are found. There's a, a a woman is found. She still has not been identified. She was found by Eklutna Road. I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong. And she was dubbed Eklutna Annie by investigators and was and like, was not, she has a Wikipedia page and it's like a drawing of what she probably looked like when she was alive. It's crazy. And then later that year, the body of Joanna Messina was discovered. Um, and then in 1982, 23 year old Sherry Morrow was discovered in a shallow grave near the Nick River and then in 1983 Paula Golding is found in a shallow grave on the bank of the Nick River. Now these are the four cases that he gets convicted of that I just read. There are many more victims, but these are the four that he was convicted of. Um and this, the the creepiest thing about Paula when they found her body, she'd been shot in the back but there were no bullet holes in her clothes, which means he basically probably hunted her naked and then dressed her before he buried her, which is I mean just it's uh, so like you can't even I got to stop researching these before I go to sleep. Okay, so the last two bodies that they found, Paula and Sherry, they were able to link. They found bullet casings and ballistics linked these cases together. So they're like, we've got a serial killer going on here. So then in June of 1983, a huge thing happens at this point, like they think this guy's been killing for over a decade now. He offers a 17 year old sex worker named Cindy Paulson, $200 for oral sex. She describes him as like wiry, you know, six feet tall with glasses and a stutter. She didn't think he was threatening. OK, so she gets in his car. He pulls a gun on her, drives her to his home. Not sure where the wife and kids are. Um, holds her captive, like chains her up in his den. Like her wrists up and like tortures her and sexually assaults her and then drives her to the airport to take her to his little hunting ground, which is like a shack in the Nick River area of the Matanuska Valley, accessible only by boat or bush plane. So it's like you can't even... um, And I Google mapped all of this, (laughs) like the area where he picked her up is like very close to the airport and to like dead, the downtown of Anchorage, I think. And he was like telling her on the way to the airport, he's like, I already have a friend who's willing to lie to me for my alibi. So like, even if you were to get away, no one's going to believe you. Like I'm, I'm clean. Like you're never going to, no one's going to believe you. You're like, you're a sex worker, blah, blah, blah while he's loading like a gun into the plane's cockpit and doing all like his business to get the plane ready, she sees her moment. She's handcuffed in the back of the car. She runs out of the car. She runs onto Sixth Avenue, which is like a pretty busy street, gets a uh, truck to pick her up. She specifically said she left her blue sneakers behind in the car as proof that she was there. They do this in SVU a lot. I'm always like very impressed that victims have like the wherewithal to like leave earbuds or like leave you know something that is theirs behind so that it shows that they were there so she manages to flag down this truck he drives her to this inn the inn is so close to the airport i mapped all of this to like get an idea of it it's like right across the street from the airport and um she takes a cab to the big timber hotel to meet her boyfriend, but the truck driver who dropped her off has already called nine one one, and so the cops show up at the first inn. Then they find her at the second inn. She's still in handcuffs. She's like hysterical. She's uh, tells them everything that happened. I watched a full FBI Files episode on this, which is like investigation discovery, it's just very cheesy reenactments and stuff like forensic files, and. um, She was very credible, according to all of the like the guys like she had every detail. She knew exactly what happened. She could describe things like she was a very credible witness. And like the story was too insane to be made up on her way to the station they're taking her to the station she goes pull into the airport i want to show you the plane so they go in she sees the plane a security guy walks up and goes oh yeah the guy who owns this plane like just left and that security guard had out like a, a license plate number on him like had noticed the license plate i guess so they positively id that it's robert hansen's car they um get the address from the license plate. They go to his house. He fits the description exactly of who she said held her captive and assaulted her. His home is exactly as Cindy described. No evidence of rape and torture at the house at all. Like the cuffs that she was hung up with, like nothing is there anymore. Um, The blanket, the gun he pulled on her, like they can't find any of that. His car is totally clean and he had alibis, which the police verified. So even though he had plenty of prior run-ins with the law, this like little innocent guy thing he had going on. Plus the fact that he was like a well-known sort of local baker. Plus this alibi he had from a friend who made it up, kept him from being considered as a serious suspect. And the case went cold. And I mean, insane. Like she has all the information, but she's a 17 year old sex worker. She refused to take a lie detector because she doesn't trust cops. And the cops don't trust her because she's a sex worker. So it's like such a fucked situation. Ironically, the so ma- the
2: cops didn't believe her, or there just wasn't enough evidence to prosecute? You know I, think, what I mean? I think, yeah, I think like, there probably wasn't enough
1: evidence to, like, get him as a because suspect. Because to me,
2: it's like, how else do you describe this woman, shoeless,
1: handcuffed, running? Like, what are you talking no, about? No, exactly. Exactly. And- Luckily, there were some good cops here. So ironically, there was a cop who listened to her and would not drop the case because he just thought her story was too detailed. His name was Officer Baker, which is creepy because he's actually looking for a baker. He knew something was off about Hanson. So he kind of was working on the case, even though it had been suspended. So he's kind of working like... um. You know, he's sort of breaking the lo- the rules a little bit here and he keeps looking into things. He gathers everything up and he gives it to the state troopers because I guess they have probably more resources and they knew that they had a mass murder on their hands and that they were like the Alaskan state troopers were like not equipped to handle that. So um, the detective Glenn Foth of the Alaska, Alaska state troopers contacts the FBI to get a profile. They get help from John Douglas who is the guy who wrote the book that Mindhunter is based on, Mindhunter inside the FBI's elite serial crime unit, which is a book that my brother-in-law did give me for Christmas one year. He only gives me true crime books. He thinks that's like the only thing that I have to my personality. And he, I started reading it. It's a little bit dry, so I couldn't really get through it, but it is like, he is who the Mindhunter people are based on. And he is who two Characters on Criminal Minds are based on. So he is one of the leading guys in criminal profiling and serial killer profiling at this time. And, like, he goes to Alaska. Like, I mean, he's fully involved in this case, which is really kind of cool if you're, like, into this kind of thing. So his profile of Hansen is that he's an experienced hunter with low self-esteem. He has a history of being rejected by women. And that he would be compelled to keep souvenirs of his murders, such as victims jewelry. He also suggested that the assailant might stutter and has a history of arson, like five points right on the nose. I mean, this guy burnt down a bus garage. He he was keeping jewelry, like the whole thing. So Hanson knows the cops are closing in on him, but the cops don't really have enough evidence yet. So finally, in October of 1983, this is four months after no one believed this poor traumatized sex worker that this psychotic baker tried to kill her. The Anchorage Police Department gets a warrant for Hanson's plane, vehicles and home, and they bring him in for questioning at the same time so that they can kind of, you know, go through his house. They put him in a room like with crime scene photos all over the walls and like the names of the victims and stuff like that to kind of throw him off immediately. And they want to intimidate him before they start questioning him. So he admits having a lot of anger towards women and picking up sex workers, but he doesn't admit to any crimes. Um, Meanwhile, they're searching his house. They find an array of firearms in a corner hideaway of his attic. Like they had to like peel back insulation to find this shit. This guy was really hiding stuff. They find an aeronautical chart a full chart of the whole area with 37 little X's on it. Okay. That's hidden behind his headboard. And many of those marks match sites where prior bodies had been found. So this guy just had like a full map of like what you hear about in movies. It's like, he had a map of all his kills and he denied killing some of the women that were found, but their bodies were like right where the X's were. So it's like, I don't really believe you. Um, And then As they're searching his house, a neighbor comes by and tells authorities that her husband had given him a fake alibi. She's like, my husband gave him a fake alibi. He feels bad. He didn't know how serious the charges were. He didn't know what was going on. Like this guy probably thought he was like, Oh, don't, I I don't want my wife to know I brought home a, a sex worker. Right. And so he gave an alibi. He called the station and recanted the alibi. So now Hanson's alibi is gone. Then they discover all this jewelry belonging to the missing women. So it's like they're just knocking off check the checklist of this guy being busted. So when confronted with the evidence that they found in his home, he denied it for as long as possible. But he eventually started to blame the women and justify his actions. And he eventually confessed to each item as it was presented to him. And he admitted to a spree of attacks against Alaskan women that started in 1971. He said his earliest victims were women, usually between 16 and 19, and not sex workers. So, like, most of the women that they discovered of the bodies were sex workers. But And at the beginning, he also would just pick up women and sort of take them places. And um, I, I think just get sexual services from them. But I think he was working his way up to being able to fully kidnap them. So of the 17 women who he is believed to have killed. He was only formally charged for the murders of four, Sherry Morrow, Joanna Messina, Eklutna Annie, and Paula Golding. And he was also charged with the kidnapping and rape of Cindy Paulson. So she got some justice, hopefully. The judge who saw his case in 1984 when he was finally brought before a judge said, I cannot think of a bigger indictment of society than we have here. This gentleman here has been known to us for several years and we have turned him loose several times. He said the defendant manipulated the system, lied to psychiatrists, lawyers and probation workers and counted on his image as a respected business person to protect him from charges brought over the years by sex workers who accused him of rape. He said before you this is what the judge said before you sits a monster, an extreme aberration of a human being who has walked among us. Not even his wife of 20 years had any inkling of his dark evil side. His crimes numb the mind. So this guy stays making deals. He still is making deals, even though he's fully busted. He pleaded guilty to the four homicides and the police had evidence for and provided details about the other victims in return for serving his sentence in a federal prison outside of Alaska, along with no publicity for the trial. They had to agree that there would be no publicity for the trial, which is nuts. When do criminals get to decide that? But if he pleaded guilty, what trial? I don't know, some deal of there was like a deal of him not. But they have the thing that's wild is they had all the cards. Why is he still making the rules? I'm very confused by this deal. Like they also part of the deal was that his family be left alone. It's like crazy. Like, I do not understand how this motherfucker is still cutting deals, but he gave them all this information about the other bodies. And it's like, well, don't those families want like closure and like have that on his record? I mean, He ends up getting a I'll I'll get to it, but he gets a huge sentence. So um, he also was part of his plea deal was that he had to decipher the map for the authorities. And he confirmed uh, the police theory of how the women were abducted, adding that he would sometimes let a potential victim go if she convinced him that she would not report him to the police. Yeah. He said he began killing in the 70s. He showed investigators 17 grave sites, 12 of which were unknown to investigators previously. So he did like help give closure and find these bodies and stuff. There remained marks on his map that he refused to give up, including three in Resurrection Bay. I wonder why. I don't know. The remains of 12 victims were exhumed by the police and returned to their families. DA Victor Crum said Mr. Hansen told police he had suffered a, quote, feeling of rejection by women since he was a youth in Iowa. He nevertheless liked and respected women who he felt in his mind were good. So it's like you get to decide who are good women and who are bad women. The women that were his victims, he considered them inferior. So it was all right to kill them. Like that's what the DA said was in his mind. Um, In 1984, he was sentenced to uh, by a jury to 461 years plus life in prison without the possibility of parole. So 461 years. He's never getting out. And then he did die in prison at the age of 75 in 2014. And ironically, they did bring him back to a jail in Alaska, so he didn't get that part of his deal that he wanted. And um, yes, before you all write us Instagram messages, Criminal Minds has also covered this case. Yes, as well as SVU. And so has Discovery ID and Oxygen. This is a very well-known case. I
2: didn't know anything about it. Yeah. And I'm,
1: I'm mad. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's I watched the the FBI files thing. It was like Sherry Morrow, one of his victims, was like he contacted her through something saying he was a photographer and she was an aspiring model and he just wanted she just wanted some photos taken. And he would like make her meet him somewhere public and then pick her up and then just hunt them. Like, I mean, the reenactments were like silly, but like what they did in SVU, I thought were was really scary and terrifying we have
2: info on like how long he hunted them like uh the ketamine part anything like that
1: i don't think the ketamine part was i think that was added from the svu episode he just shot or stabbed them
2: the fact that he did not get years and years in prison from his first two assault charges and rapes is like it's mind boggling how many dozens of women had to die. Yeah. Insane, scary, tragic deaths.
1: Well, and you see in our system, people that have petty crimes, they follow them forever. People of color. But like these white men can have like horrible, like full ascension to serial killerhood and no one stops it, you know? So kind of a fucked up episode, but I hope you guys sort of enjoyed hearing about it. I don't know. Let's... Let's get to our interview. All right. Time for our guest of the week. We're so excited to talk to this actress, songwriter, podcaster, truly a triple threat. She has a new music album that just came out called The Supporting Character. She has her own podcast called My Caffeine Withdrawal, available anywhere you get podcasts. And you also may know her from a little show called The Walking Dead on AMC, where she played Beth Green. Guys, check out our convo with Emily Kinney. A lot of people have asked for this episode because I will say this is, I've been watching SVU since the very beginning. I've seen every episode multiple times, but this one like really sticks in your head. It's like very, very haunting. I mean, you must have, when you got the script, were you like, whoa? (laughs)
0: Um, Yeah, it was very creepy, particularly, like, the day, something about, like, running around in the woods. Yeah. Like, I think that's, I think they only get, like, one shot of, like, it's not a big deal in the TV show, but it was a whole day just because you had to, like, be on a different location and stuff. And something about, like, getting all, like, bruised up and, like, running through the forest where it's, like, this game of him hunting us or whatever, like yeah. I remember that day yeah. being sort of just like really dark and weird, like just imagining running around in a forest, someone hunting you in this certain way, you know, it's and like horrifying. my clothes are all ripped and like, yeah. yeah, so that I remember that day just like really sticking in my brain, like in a weird way.
2: And we need to know, I'm sorry, Kara, but I have to know, was Amaro hot? Is he very hot in person? Danny Pino. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, you know what? I think that was, like, the only scene I actually had of him, and it's, like, him breaking in, right? Yeah. Yeah, he, so, he like, kills I, the guy. Yeah, he. it's only him, like, breaking in. So I didn't have, like, a ton of interaction with him. I feel like I maybe had a little bit of interaction with him at like, a crafty table at one point. Ooh, okay. okay. Where, like, where it was, like, his scene and then my scene was... Ne- like, it wasn't a scene we had together. Like, my scene was the next kind of... But, like, that's... But, yeah, I mean, he's hot, sure. I'm kind of more into, like, skinny, sad boy musician types. So, like, he's <laughs> not really... <laughs> Like like tattoos like it's just not he's not really my type. But. Thank you for being
1: honest with us. That's totally but like, sure he's
0: he, he's he, obviously very you know good looking. Yeah, because he doesn't
2: get talked about in a hotness way like other characters get more hot chats. So I just needed to know oh. like, does he penetrate through his annoying character? Into being oh no,
0: he. I mean, he is right very good him. looking. Okay. No, well, I didn't. I didn't look past. I mean, he's yeah, very like strikingly good looking. Yeah. yeah. I was just saying like, he, d- he he's not really for me, which for I you. totally get. That's how I feel about. That's how I feel about a lot of detectives on
1: the show that our fans are like uh, very horny for.
0: Are you a New York person? Yeah. I mean, well, I live in LA now, but I lived in New York for like 10 years. Wow. Um, so like I moved it to New York when I was 19. Wow.
1: Yeah. We were reading about you and you did
0: like some Broadway stuff. And where did they film walking dead? They filmed walking dead in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's a pretty easy flight. So I would just, the first season or so that I was on, I would just fly back and forth and then eventually I I stayed there longer, or, you know, it just depended on how busy I was. And yeah. SVU, um, you
2: can imagine is like a wild fan base. We're all very obsessed. And then yeah. Walking Dead has... Very intense fan base. Mm-hmm. Um, any fun <laughs> fan interactions or like, do you guys do Comic-Con or stuff like that? Like, um, I, I would be curious to find out about that fan base.
0: No, yeah, the best fans, um, you're right. Similar to SVU fan, well, you know, where it is almost like you all are connected online and, you know, have in this really great way and supportive. Yeah, I mean, I've had so many great interactions with Walking Dead fans. I mean, some of them I like. I do go to conventions, like comic book conventions, and obviously not in the last year. But, um, you know, I'll see some of the same ones. So you start to, like, get to know the fans or just even online. But, yeah, I mean, some of I've seen with, like, you know, tattoos of my face and stuff <laughs> Just, oh my you know, God. and like that always I mean that's it makes me I'm I mean go for it like I guess for them it's like oh it's the character you know but it's like sometimes I'll think to myself huh like not even like my mom has a tattoo of my face <laughs> you know <laughs> so it's like but I also respect it I mean I am such a fan when it comes to certain music stuff so like I'll get you know like I get it like I love I think it's fun to be excited about art.
1: So wait, we were. J- I was just thinking about how like you have to do this scene where you're like being hunted and have to run through the woods and like mm-hmm. survive for your life, like, and that's essentially Walking Dead too, right? Like, I mean, was that like were you well prepared because you'd already done Walking Dead?
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like there was a period there where most of my jobs I was like scared and crying, so I <laughs> sort of like, yeah, I was well prepared for running through the woods. You know, all fucked up and like, yeah, scared of something. Like, I do remember thinking to myself, like, huh, yeah, okay, I got another one of these. <laughs>
2: like, do you, you, know? you have nightmares, or like, <laughs> does do you ever take those emotions and like can't get them out of your spirit post work?
0: Yeah, I mean, I do know actors. Like, I have actor friends who seem to be able to just like, like talking to you and like eating a sandwich, and then they're in the scene and like sad and crying, and I'm like, I can't, like, I. Uh, For better or for for worse, I don't know, but, like, when I'm writing music, when I'm acting, whatever, I, like, internalize it in a certain way. I don't know if it's always healthy, but I – after, like, season three of Walking Dead, I did have some serious – I don't know if it was because of that or other life things, but, like, because you'd have to stay all day in, like, this crying zone. I would just have a hard time once I got home getting out of it. Because if you think about, like, your natural – this is just from (laughs) – learning from my therapist at the time too. is But like, you know, when you cry, you know how you kind of like start to feel better. You kind of naturally feel like, and that's kind of like the natural wave of your emotions. But when you're on set and you have to do a scene over and over and over again, you're trying to like push yourself to like stay in that same spot.
1: right? And like,
0: I feel like sometimes, especially because Walking Dead, but just because it was like not just one episode, it was like, for you know for a lot, long time i would go home and like the smallest thing would like make me cry and i'd be like this is ridiculous like i don't oh my gosh but i think it's cuz my brain was just getting so used to getting like triggered mm. into like that sad zone i mean i don't know maybe i i do think other actors sometimes have that that's really I, I interesting yeah where it's like you can get into a zone because it's like you're just all day in a certain you know spot in sure. your brain and I'll, I'll have dreams like I used to have, you know, um, zombie dreams and, My God. and just like, yeah, I don't remember having dreams about SVU probably because it was just like one. Yeah, I don't one don't, episode. I'm glad
1: you didn't have dreams of a guy hunting you in the woods. <laughs>
2: but the zombie dreams, do you, or is it like, do you know what to do because of the show? You're like, I fucking got no
0: in fact. Well, there's two that were really intense for me There was one where I was just like in my off time in new york and it was like people were zombies like the different people And then there was one dream that has stuck with me where I was in la and I was like at a party And people were saying like, oh, there's some people that are like starting to turn like becomes and people were asking me What to do and I was like I don't know what to do Wow. Like I don't know, and it was very stressful. Like people asking, like, like you should know, and I was like, I don't know what to do, you guys. <laughs> like, Wait, I'm- did you ever listen <laughs> to the podcast Dirty John? Um,
1: no, I watched some of the TV show. So did you hear? Creepy. Did you know that, like, in real life, when he tries to kill his wife's daughter, and she basically fights back and kills him because she learned all these survival skills on The Walking Dead what she says it in interviews in the podcast she's like oh my I'm a huge god walking dead fan she seems a little bit um I don't know so, I don't know something's going on with her but she was very into the walking dead and when this guy when this her mother's boyfriend who's this grifter attacks her in the parking lot she basically was able to fight back from watching so much walking dead is what she
0: said interesting you guys are saving lives you know what <laughs> I'm yeah happy. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, there is something about just, I mean, I think any part as an actor, the thing that I love is that you get to like uncover a part of you that you maybe didn't even know was there. And, and I do think some of the fighting and stuff that happened on Walking Dead are things that maybe I hadn't thought of or pushed myself to do before. Like, you know, and there is an element of like yeah I mean what would you do during the apocalypse and like what supplies do you need in your house if something like that happens and like I definitely have an idea now of what that would be you know so maybe I do know more like just because I've thought about it I don't know that I would necessarily survive any better but I definitely there's like a library of sort of ideas of what we could do to survive
1: and like and I'm sure you do some like don't you do do you do some like combat training or whatever,
0: like on those sets. Yeah, we shot guns and we did a lot of like stunt fight training and stuff like that. And has Walking Dead prepped you for the quarantine? <laughs> like being again, people off? are calling me at the beginning of this whole thing. Like it's happening. What should we do, Emily? And I'm like, I don't know what you should do. I don't
1: know. I wanted to ask you, cause um you both in this in your SVU and in Walking Dead, you're 16, but you're actually like in your 20s, like kind of uh-huh. in, into your 20s playing them, right? What do you do to like keep getting cast as a high schooler?
0: I think it's just the ponytail. I don't know. <laughs> like ponytail. I don't know. Like I do feel like I in I mean, I feel like I'm starting to look older and like I have this I really like I can't wait. To, I've gotten to play a mom once Like well I guess In SVU I'm playing a mom a young very because young Because I'm a si- A very young 16 yeah. year old mom And then the last show I did Messiah for Netflix I'm a mom And I loved it And I have like I think it's gonna start To switch over to that Maybe just like A young mom thing Yeah But yeah I don't know I think I just Am like a l- immature But maybe Not in like a bad w- Not like in a bad way <laughs> But like, I just come across a certain, I don't know, but like, I love playing young because I've been there before. Like, I can't seem to shake it. Like, I just. That's cool, though. Hey, eh? that's great. I mean, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes people are going to be like, you're like 40. You need, to like, <laughs> you need to grow up. But the way I figure it, like you have literally forever to grow up. So like you might as well. Right. I mean, grow up in certain ways. I don't mean like be responsible. Like I'm responsible, but you know what I mean? Is there anything
2: that you learned like in your career being a guest star on all these shows that you brought with you to Walking Dead being like a main person when like a guest star someone would come in? Is there any lessons?
0: For sure. I mean, I feel like, yeah, when you're a guest star, you're a guest on their set and you do look to the regulars a little bit for, I mean, I, I have my own ways that I know I'm going to do my best work. So I like, of course, have that. But I do look to them for a little bit of like, I guess like the thing that I took to Walking Dead, because there's a lot of guest stars in Walking Dead too, is like being really welcoming and being really like, comfy because I feel like I do my best work when I get to have a longer arc than just one one episode because like there's something about like knowing the hair and makeup a little bit better knowing the camera guys better knowing you know knowing the other actors you're working with a little bit better like I do really work well when I have a little bit of a routine but when you're guest star you obviously you, you just know that's not what you're gonna get so you just kind of have to like go for it but knowing that like I like to have that little bit of extra comfort I I do try to be like really welcoming and try to provide whatever to guest stars. You hear about shows where like people come on to guests and they're
1: like, oh, the main cast is like bonded and they didn't really talk to us and they didn't really let us in and stuff. And like Aww. people sound like SVU is not really like that. Like people are pretty like open to
0: yeah the guest you know-
1: stars and let everybody in.
0: Yeah, I felt like everybody was very like, hey, hey how's you doing? How are you doing? Yeah. You know, what would you have for would you have for lunch? You know, like <laughs> I feel like everybody on SVU was very um, cool like that. I remember talking to Kelly. She was Kelly Giddish. Yeah,
1: it was like one of her first seasons, I think.
0: Yeah, and so the day that was really long, where everything was happening just at the studio because there's like on location stuff and stuff that she was there and she was waiting for some of her scenes too, and actually fun. Fun fact, I used to work at this coffee shop called Gimme Coffee and Kelly used to work on a show called The Berg, which was a YouTube show. And Whoa. when they and they would shoot around Williamsburg. So this coffee shop was Gimme Coffee and it was off of the Lorimer stop in Williamsburg. Okay. That was like my first job. I'm like 20 years old in New York City. And they would be shooting around Williamsburg and they would come in. So I had actually met her before. And I remember, I think I remember reminding her that I was like, oh yeah, you know, like we've met. We're <laughs> 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 um, like, I kind of know like the other girl that's in this show called the Berg Lindsay. And you know, like I knew like we like, we were in like the same zone of this period of time in Williamsburg when she was working on this YouTube show and I was working on working at a coffee shop <laughs> So, which leads us
2: perfectly into your podcast
0: oh to my podcast well yeah. it's about well, caffeine
2: oh it is about yeah I have a
0: deep love for coffee coffee shop culture like that whole you know and music and so if if your listeners love want a new podcast to listen to in addition they, <laughs> mine's yes. all about like music and so what I do is I um people that I'm fans of like music that I'm fans of I'll invite them to have coffee with me on my show and then they usually either make me the coffee that they drink or maybe we just talk about what coffee they're drinking or what their like morning routine is and then we talk about like writing songs and music and yeah
1: Wow what a sweetheart that was fun that was a fun talk
2: yeah um, I, now I want coffee <laughs> actually always I'm I, I actually read that if you're craving uh, coffee that's actually
1: a sign of like sugar addiction too yeah I didn't I felt um I didn't want to tell her that I am a never in my life coffee drinker oh but. yeah I
2: forget that you don't like coffee I since I've started eating like a uh, healthier I've been like coffee every day I need it <laughs> so <laughs> hardcore um, what have I learned from this horrific episode? Yeah, let's get into our
1: postmortem. I mean,.
2: Follow your gut. Don't ever get into a car. Take a credit card no matter what appointment. Take photos of ID. I mean,
1: no one can be trusted.
2: Sorry, it's the world we live in.
1: Yes, please see our Instagram for Lisa's joke about how she spread her DNA around a guy's apartment during a hookup. It is because... one of my favorite jokes. And I would like <laughs> <It's> to <great.
2: laughs> say um, that guy that the joke is based on, I haven't seen in like years, contacted me. We were like, okay, let's get some phone sex situations going. In the middle, of sex disappeared this happened yesterday or two days ago he was like oh yeah and then stopped responding or looking at messages and i or said anything. i think he's been murdered no he keeps posting on instagram and i oh. want to block him <laughs> oh, i want to block Sorry. him because i'm livid but i also like if he gets mad he can definitely ruin my life and post so many um photos of me in compromising (laughs) situations so i don't know what to do (laughs)
1: um anyway just because someone has a dog in their car doesn't mean you should trust them i once took a ride with a stranger in italy because he had a car seat in the back of the car stupid 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 like don't do it wait what happened he just drove me where i had to go it was very nice but like i'm just saying like it's stupid it's stupid to just assume anything about people like this man the, the butcher baker in alaska his career as a serial killer was made on the fact that he had two kids and was like a baker and, you know, seemed like a just dorky dude. And those are, those are the ones you got to watch. Yeah. And then, yeah, we say this a lot, the door, the incels, you
2: stop like the patriarchy fucking sucks. And all these killers just can't get laid enough. And it's like, I didn't get laid in high school. Why? You know, I'm not strangling people in the woods. I don't (laughs) understand
1: yeah you people need to re-examine their hatred of women and look inward um for sure also never trust a man
2: if he says another man is or is not creepy they have no idea <laughs> they
1: have no radar for
2: it yeah they have no radar they will look at a full full-on pirate who's just pillaged a town and be like oh ted he's pretty cool um yeah he's nice we watch games together yeah we like
1: the same team yeah
2: he could be in a wet raincoat splattered with blood and he'd be like that guy hunts yeah he's a he's just like just a real man's man you know i love that guy yeah we cannot trust men's assessment of other men they just really don't know how many creeps they're friends with constantly i'm shocked how many
1: creeps i'm friends with yeah i also learned that amaro i mean i didn't learn this i've known this but we don't give enough attention to amaro he's very hot i don't like his character very much but he's very hot as a man danny pino very hot and um we learned
2: some foster sesta information from you kara yeah our professor friend
1: yeah that's all really really important information and let me get into that right now with what would sister peg do um we have a couple of recommendations for you for what we're Sister Peg do. One is Heather, uh, D- Heather Berg, who we spoke to about um, sex work, has a book called Porn Work, Sex, Labor and Late Capitalism picked that up on Amazon. She's very, very smart and very, very knowledgeable about the whole world of sex work and, you know, the government and how it's being dealt with. And then she recommended a website called hackinghustling.org to us. And it is a collective of sex workers, survivors, and accomplices working at the intersection of tech and social justice to interrupt state surveillance and violence facilitated by technology. So that is, um, her wreck, and therefore our wreck, to you and we'll have those both obviously in our show notes
2: and next week's episode will be fault season seven episode 19 um and as always the episodes are on hulu and peacock and as we noted last week go to your local library they have dvds baby <laughs> thank you so much we'll see you on the internet and next week and we appreciate all of you listening bye bye
1: That's Messed Up is an Exactly Right production. If you have compliments you'd like to give us or episodes you'd like us to cover, shoot us an email at That's Messed up pod at gmail.com. Follow the podcast on Instagram at That's Messed Up Pod
2: and on Twitter at Messed Up Pod. And follow us personally at Kara Clank and at Glitter Cheese. As always,
1: please see our show notes for sources and more information.
2: Thank you so much to SVU Superfan and our incredible producer, Hannah Kyle
1: Creighton, And to our sound engineer and personal hero, Annalise Nelson. And to Henry Kapersky for our theme song. To Carly Jean Andrews for our artwork. Thanks to our executive producers, Georgia Hardstark, Karen Kilgarriff. Danielle Kramer, and everybody at Exactly Right Media.
2: Listen, subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an advertiser interested in advertising on our show, go to midroll.com slash ads. Done done. <laughs>